Good morning, Harmony. We are excited to worship this morning. If you'll stand with us, we want to invite you to just celebrate a great God that fights our battles for us. You sing with us this morning and just lift up your praise to Him. When all I see is the battle, will you see my victory? When all I see is a mountain, you see a mountain. As I walk through the shadow, well, your love surrounds me. And there's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees, with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet, and I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. You believe that truth? When all I see are the ashes, will you see the beauty? When all I see is a cross, God, you see me empty too. So
that he fights our battles for us. Who has the power to raise the dead? And who can save us from our sin? He is our hope and our righteousness. Jesus, only Jesus. And who can make the blind to see?
Well, good morning and welcome to Harmony. You may be seated. Hey, I want to thank you for coming out and uh, gathering with us today, and I hope that you're uh, prepared to have an incredible time as we meet uh, here. We're going to sing a couple more songs. I'm going to come back and give a message today about the life of Christ and the, the last week of his life. It's hard to believe that we're already this far into the year, that today is what we call Palm Sunday. It's the start of Holy Week, and, and uh, maybe you've never heard of Palm Sunday or Holy Week, but it is the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem nearly 2,000 years ago. He set his, his sights on Jerusalem, he set his sights on the cross, and he knew that he was going to give his life for you and for me. So today, Palm Sunday, next Sunday, Easter Sunday. So next Sunday, we have Dr. Paul Pitts with us with a presentation of the scribe. It's a, a one-person presentation of the life of Christ. I, I promise uh, that as he uh, presents uh, his dramatic interpretation and presentation of the life of Christ, it's going to touch your heart. It's going to change lives. And I want to encourage you to invite friends and family to come out and, and be with us uh, next Sunday, one service, 10 a.m. It's going to be an incredible time as we celebrate uh, the resurrected Savior on next Sunday. Today, as you are on your way out, once again, you'll have the opportunity uh, to be able to uh, pick up a Bible reading and prayer journal plan uh, throughout the, the end pages of it. Uh, you're going to be able to see uh, guides to help you read the scriptures, stay on track, place where you can write down prayer requests and pray with and for those uh, that you know need prayer, then on the back of it, it, it always gives each month the highlights of, of the things that are taking place during that month and uh, in the, the coming weeks uh, beyond that. Uh, so I want to encourage you uh, to pick one of these up on your way out today. Well, if today is your first time joining us in person or online, we want to thank you for uh, joining us. We want to thank you for giving us an opportunity to share in your life. And today, if it's your first time, I want to invite you to, to just step back to the Connection Center before you go home today. Uh, I'll be there. Some others would be there. And we'd love the opportunity uh, to be able uh, to share with you uh, a little more about Harmony and uh, just how we can serve you and how we can make a difference uh, in your life, if at all possible. We've got a thank you gift uh, for you, and we'd love the opportunity uh, to be able to hand that to you before you leave today. Again, I want to thank you for gathering with us. I want to thank you for worshiping uh, with us today. And I just want to point out the obvious. Today we have a special guest with us, and his name is Josh Henry. Uh, he's leading us in worship today. Uh, he is here from uh, Liberty University, and he currently serves uh, uh, at Highland Heights Church on uh, their worship team there. He's a volunteer. Uh, God called him to ministry several years ago. He worked in, in ministry, and he may not look like it, but he's 34 years old. All right, um, and uh, he said, you know what, uh, I'm serving in ministry, I'm doing what I, I can with the skills that I have, but I believe if I'm going to do this, uh, I, I'm going to do, do what God wants me to do, I want to go get more training. Uh, he enrolled uh, at one school in his area there in Florida, and then when he completed that, he said, I think there's something more, and he found this place that he had never heard of, uh, and it was Liberty University, and uh, he went there, 
And in the course of, of going there, uh, he has, uh, he's completing his studies. But during that time, uh, Josh, you, you, come on up here. You don't have to, to, to stay back there. Today, we'll, we'll just take a little, little, little bit of extra time. But, but during that time, you, you got a job in uh, the, the student life resident office, right? Yes, sir. Part-time. And you're wondering how you're going to take care of your family and how God's going to work everything out. But before you got there or just right after you got there, instead of a part-time position, you had a full-time position, right? right. So you, you work full-time at the university. You're going to school full-time. How many credit hours are you carrying? 19. Nin 19 credit hours. All right. That's brave. That's all I'm going to say. I, I, I've got... Two classes right now, working on, on, on my doctorate and, and doing two classes and working full-time, and uh, it's tearing me up. Uh, I can only imagine what, what 19 hours full-time uh, is doing. You're taking care of your family. You're actively involved in your church. And, and here's an, an incredible thing. Uh, we had an interview set up for a Tuesday afternoon. Dave and I left uh, Indianapolis uh, about 545 on a Tuesday morning. Our flights were actually on time. We got to Lynchburg. I sent the guy that we were supposed to meet a text, and all these churches were descending upon Liberty uh, that week. It's church advancement week, so we thought we'll get there early and we'll beat them there early. So we land, I send a text, the guy was like, look, I've been praying about it, and I hadn't met him. I, I, I mean, I, hi, how you doing, that, that sort of thing. It was just first conversational interview, and uh, here, here's what happened. He said, you know what? I, I've, I've got an extra semester that I'm going to have to tack on. Uh, I, I just don't know that the timing's right. We can talk if you want to, but, but I'm just letting you know where I'm at. And I said, hey, thanks. That, that is not a problem. So we went upstairs into the School of Music. I told the lady at the reception office, Dave and I walked in, and I said, listen, all these people that are pastors are descending upon this place in a matter of hours, but we're here first. <laughs> so... I've got a $100 bill. <laughs> true, true story. I, I, I said, I, I got a $100 bill, and it's yours if we can meet with the dean and you tell everybody else you have no candidates for worship for, for them, all right? Well, she said, you don't have to do that. Dr. Rumrah took us in his office, listened to us, and he said, you know what? We've got a lot of graduates this year, but the first one I want you to look at is Josh Henry. He said... He's solid. His worship pastor got COVID in a church of 800 to 850. Worship pastor got COVID, was out for 15 weeks, and Josh stood up as a volunteer, going to school, 19 hours, right, carrying those classes, working full-time, and, and he led that ministry for, for 15 weeks. So uh, he obviously is committed to, to uh, what God has called him to do, uh, and that's an absolutely incredible thing. So that's just a little bit of story as to who's here with us today leading us in worship, and uh, we are thrilled to, to have you here. I, I know that your wife, Jessica, doesn't like to be out in the limelight, but his wife, Jessica, is right down here. I'm not going to make you stand, and, and don't get mad at him. Uh, you, can, you can be aggravated at me for, for introducing you, uh, but she's right down here uh, with us today, and this is their first trip uh, to uh, Avon uh, to be with us this weekend. We've had an incredible time, and I just want to ask you to pray for them uh, in their journey. He has a, a ministry that God has called him to, and uh, we want uh, the best for everyone involved, and I know that that's what he and his family uh, want, uh, and uh, they've got a, a, a family down in Florida, and your parents are there, her parents are there, those 
grandparents would like grandkids in their area. Uh, I'd just, just tell you that. Um, but that's okay because that, that's, that's kind of what typically grandparents want. But um, we're looking forward to uh, continuing to, to work with Josh and just seeing what the Lord develops. So today, as they are here, uh, let's go ahead and, and just do all we can uh, to make them feel welcome. And let's just welcome Josh and his wife with us today. After the service, if you'd like to talk with them, just take a few minutes and uh, get to know them a little bit and learn more about them. Let's go ahead and uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you at this time, and uh, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you've done and, and all that you're going to do. And Lord, as we gather and uh, just celebrate who you are today, as we look ahead to the future, uh, Lord, I just ask that you guide and direct, and Lord, that you help us to be who you want us to be, to serve how you want us to serve. And Father, today, as we take a look at the events that unfolded in the last week of your life here on earth, those last moments before you would go to the cross, I just ask that you would descend upon this place today and help us to hear from you, help us to be led by you. And Father, when we leave this place today, I pray that it would be said that we've heard from you. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. my own story, but it never gets old, how great our God is, and the things he puts in place for us, and so this morning, we're going to sing, Casey's going to lead us, singing about the great name of our God, and you just join us in worship that you guys can do.
as we sing truths that we already know, but you remind our heart that we don't quite understand them. So as we go into a time of studying your word, I pray that you would open our hearts even more, God, that you would speak even deeper truths into our lives to where, God, when we leave, we are different than when we came. Let us not just sit and soak this morning, but God, give us a desire to change our lives for your glory. And we thank you for what you're going to do in that. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we continue to think about this special day that we call Holy Week, a, a day that marks the, the moment where Jesus would ride into Jerusalem, I want to ask you something. If, if you knew that you had one week, just one week to, to spend on this earth, those hours that are left in, in your life. Let me ask you something. What would you do? If I said you, you've got one last call that you can make, who would you call? If you could have one last conversation, write one last note, say one last prayer, if you could just do one last thing, what, what would it be? Now when we think about the, the life of Jesus and we think about Palm Sunday and, and Holy Week, most of us aren't really thinking, wow, Jesus is faced with some of the, the last moments of life on this earth. But, but here's the, the reality. Today marks a day where Jesus would ride into Jerusalem. His final hours on this earth would begin. And, and here's what we're going to see in the life of Jesus in the last week. Because honestly, if I had one week left to live, I probably wouldn't be focused on everybody else. I might be focused on what? Me. I might tend to focus on some of the conversations that I want to have. I might say, you know what, I've always wanted to see that, that seventh wonder of the world, and, and I'm going to try and, and go and, and do that. I've always wanted to be able to spend a moment with him or visit that place again, but Jesus knows what's ahead of him, yet in his final moments, and as he goes throughout this week, here's what we're really going to see, is that the last week of Jesus' life, while it's about him, it's more about you than just him. While it's about him and, and who he is, it's really more about what he can do and wants to do in your life, in you, and through you. So as we take a look at these last few weeks of the life of Jesus. Today we're, we're going to go through and just take a look from, from the book of Luke. And in Luke chapter 19, we're going to take a, a look at verse number 29 and just begin to, to work our, our way down through. Verse number 28, it says this, when he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass, when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, Why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, Because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just 
as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, Why are you loosing the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then, as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Tucked away in this passage of scripture is, is probably one of the most important things that I, I just want to talk with you about in, in this whole concept of, of Holy Week. It kicks off in a, a very, really unsuspecting way. Others don't necessarily know exactly what's, what's taken place, but as it unfolds, scripture is being fulfilled. It says, behold, a king cometh, right? They're, they're rejoicing, and, and we just read it, and, and it's all in fulfillment of what the psalmist had written centuries before. And now the Messiah is come to Jerusalem. He's riding in on a donkey, and, and literally hundreds of thousands of people, if not a million plus, according to historians, have gathered, they've descended in anticipation of Passover in anticipation of a sacrifice, and they're coming expecting something that's kind of like what they had the last time that they were there because it was an annual trip. It was an annual deal that they participated in. And now as they, they approach the city, as Jesus is coming in, everything is different because there's this guy, and they've, they've witnessed that he's raised the dead they know that he's fed the multitudes. They, they've been around when he turned the water into wine. And everything is extremely <coughs> different. This week marks the life of Christ in a way that they would forever remember. But it also marks a moment when many of them would overlook just who he is. There's something tucked away about the, the cult and about the people that were there and the words of Jesus that I want us to get today, and this is really what I want to talk about. Jesus said, I want you to go and I want you to loose the cult. And if anybody asks, I just want you to say, the Lord has need of him. So they go, they loose the cult, and somebody asked hey, what are you doing with him? And here's what they said. They said, the Lord has need of him. Today, I, I want us to understand that no matter who we are and no matter where we're at in life, the Lord needs us. The Lord has a, a purpose for you. The Lord has a plan for you. The Lord has something that he wants to do in, in your life and, and through you. And when we look at the significance of Palm Sunday, we look at the significance of, of Jesus taking this, this cult uh, that, that's never been ridden, that's never been used for a greater purpose other than just, just letting it be what it was and, and who it was. Now Jesus says, look, that this is a moment, this is a time where I have something 
really special. And today, I, I want you to see that God has something special for you. Because tied up in, in Holy Week is Jesus riding in on the, the, the borrowed donkey. Tied up in Holy Week is, is Jesus coming in. And they're waving palm branches, and those palm branches are a sign of victory because a king is, has come, and that king is, is going to go ahead and overthrow the current government because the taxes are too high, and they're oppressive, and this group isn't getting justice, and, and that group over there is, is getting too much of what they want, and there's not enough left over for us. Does it seem like there's still things like that going on today? You see, they, they wanted Jesus to come in and, and give a social structure. Maybe add a, a little bit to some different things, but, but Jesus' plan was far greater. You see, what Jesus came in to do was, was to give his life because he has a need to use you. Because he has a purpose for you. There's something that, that he wants you to do. And, and some of you today might say, look, how does the Lord have, have need of me? It, it's way too late in life for me to to be used by God. For some of you, you would say, man, if you knew my background and you knew the struggles that I would have, that, that I've, I've been through, that there, there's no way God could, could ever use me. But, but here's the reality. No matter where you find yourself on, on that scale, I want you to know that God has a plan and God has a purpose for your life. And as we walk through this passage of scripture and we walk through it quickly this morning and we cover the events of Holy Week, I just want you to see that the Lord has need of you. So here's the, the, the first thing that I just want us to get, and, and, and it's really important and it's significant in the life of the cult. You see, the cult had never been broken, it had never been trained, it had never been used, but when the cult was given to the master and put in the hands of Jesus, one of the things that we see is an immediate surrender. So, so the, the first thing that I want you to understand is this, the Lord needs you to surrender. The Lord needs you to, to just say, look, you know what? I'm done trying to do life my way. I'm done trying to, to make my own choices. I'm, I'm done trying to fulfill my own purpose and go where I want to go and, and do what, what I want to do. I'm ready to surrender. Now, now here's something that, that we look at. And some of us would, would say this, I'm, I'm really not that keen on surrendering because that means I'm giving up my way, my will, my rights. I'm, I'm laying it down and, and letting God do something in my life. Think about that for, for just a moment. What would it look like for you to surrender? What would it look like for you to say, okay, God, I'm, I'm taking and I'm, I'm putting my life in your hands. Just think about that. We all have an area that we don't necessarily want to give up control of our life. We all have an area we would like to, to hold on to just a little bit more, just a little bit longer. So let's just walk through this whole concept. You see, Jesus is headed to Jerusalem. He's surrendered. You say, what do you mean? He surrendered to, to fulfill the, the Father's plan, right? We, we go ahead and, and we see it in verse number 38, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Do you realize that, that Jesus just isn't riding into Jerusalem by happenstance? It's not just happening by, by chance. It's, it's not that, that Jesus said, wow, here it is. Let's kick off Holy Week. I'm really excited to go ahead and die for people who are going to reject me. I'm really excited to offer my life as a perfect sacrifice and to take on their sin 
for, for people who are going to mock me and be cruel to me and say, man, this guy is a phony and he's a fake. No, it wasn't about all of that. It was about surrendering his life to the Father's plan. Can I, can I tell you something? Jesus doesn't ask us to do something that he's not already done. And, and when we begin to look at the life of Christ, we, we find out that the life of Christ is, is a life that is surrendered. It, it's a life that he said, okay, Father, you've got a plan for me and you've got a purpose for me, so here's what I want to do. I want to put my life under your control, under your authority, and you take me where you want me to go. Make no mistake, the disciples went and they took a colt and they took it from one master who was not using it for its design purpose and brought it to the one who could and would use it for its design purpose. Now, I just want you to think about that. I just, I just want us to, to understand that the colt was, was tied up. We don't know exactly what, what it was doing we don't, we don't know much about it, but we know that it was prophesied that there would come one that was going to, to ride in on a donkey. There was a plan and there was a purpose. And God said, you know what, I, I want to use them to fulfill my plan and my purpose. And can I just tell you today, part of, part of that happens when we begin to surrender to who God is. And we begin to say, okay, God, you can use my life. And, and, and here's the reality. I, I, I'm not just talking about giving our life to Christ and trusting him as our savior. I'm talking about in the days and weeks and months and years after we've trusted him as our savior to where we can go ahead and say, okay, look, I'm surrendered. You see, Jesus rides in on a donkey because it's a symbol of peace, but it's also a symbol of authority. It's a symbol of control. It's a symbol of humility. You see, Jesus is asking us, to just surrender our, our life to one who loves us and has something better for us. So when we look and, and we see those moments where Jesus is riding into Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey. He's, he's riding in to Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey. The streets are lined. People are shouting Hosanna in the highest. They're, they're, they're shouting phrases about the son of David. They're, they're looking and they're saying, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Yet in those moments, there's one that has been surrendered to the Father's plan. The disciples went and they, they got a donkey and he rode in on a donkey that was untrained, unbroken. Yet when he was put in the master's hand and under the master's control, everything went well. And can I tell you something? Your life and my life is is no different. When we begin to, to give our life to Jesus and to say, here it is, you can have it. I want what you want. Everything begins to change. You see, the Lord has need for you to surrender. And as we head into this holy week, as we head into this time where, where we celebrate what Jesus did on a Sunday as he rode in, I wanna ask you to consider this your day to surrender to say you know what God I've known you for a while I've walked with you it's not a matter of whether I know you as my savior or not but it's really a matter of as to whether I'm going to surrender and let you 
use me in my life in the gifts that you've given me? Would you, would you use my life and, and, and take it as messy as it is, right? Because all of our lives are messy. None of us are perfect. That, that's really what Easter is all about and, and, and Holy Week leading to an event where Jesus would exchange his perfection for our absolute mess, his sinless life for our sinful life, and he would pay the price and give us access to a personal relationship with a holy God that would change us for, for absolutely all eternity and allow us to live a life here on this earth for someone and something greater. Today, I just, I just want you to think about what could I surrender to? What part of my life could I surrender as, as we begin to, to step out into this, this week that we call Holy Week? You see, the Lord needs you to surrender, but, but there's something else that the Lord needs you to, to do. The Lord needs you to, to worship and to help others worship him. You see, in verse number 45, it says this, Then he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, It is written, My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And he was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him and were unable to do anything, for all the people were very attentive to hear him. Isn't it amazing when we look at what historians would say was a Monday. So on, on Sunday, Jesus rides into Jerusalem. On Monday, he's there. He takes a look around and he notices over at the temple, people have come and they're trying to offer a sacrifice. And here's what's happened. They've come to worship. They've come to offer their, their sacrifice. But, but other people in the area have descended upon the temple as well, and, and they said, look, we have the animals that you need to, to make a sacrifice, but you're from a different part of the region, so you have a different currency. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to charge you more, essentially. We're going to make an unfair exchange. And, and ultimately, here's, here's what was happening. People that were supposed to be worshiping God weren't worshiping God. They were making it hard for others to worship God. Think about that for just a moment. People that were supposed to be worshiping God, they weren't worshiping God. They, they were making it next to impossible for others to, to worship God. What does it mean to worship God? It means to ascribe worth to him because that's what worship is. It comes from an old English word and it means worth-ship. And, and, and people were trying to go and, and, and say, look, we believe in this and, and we need to express it and we want to make a sacrifice. those that were there said, look, we would, we would rather get something else out of it. We, we would rather make a different kind of exchange. You see, the Lord needs us as, as we head into this moment, this, this aspect of, of Holy Week, to think about that this question, am I worshiping God and helping others worship him? You see, here's something that's, that's really important for us to think about. <coughs> Excuse me. In the day of Christ, they went to the temple. But since Christ in, indwells us, 
at the moment of salvation, here, here's a reality. We're now his temple. So what are we doing with our temple to help others worship him and, and to worship him ourselves? Jesus said, you, you're supposed to have made my house a house of prayer. And instead, you've made it a den of thieves. <coughs> How many of you love feeling well Monday through Friday and getting sick on the weekend? I mean, might as well just point out the obvious, right? I'm, I'm fighting it th this morning. Here's a, a, a thought process. They were there, and they had come to worship, and people were, were keeping them from worshiping. And Jesus said, the one thing that I've asked you to do, the one thing that you've been instructed to do, is to make my house a house of prayer. And, and here's what's happening. You, you're, you're not doing it. You've turned it into what? A den of thieves. Think about that for just a moment. A den of thieves, but you have made it a den of thieves. I wonder how many of us are stealing the worship that really belongs to God. You say, how do you, how do you, how do you do that? We want more worth ascribed to us. We we want more time, attention given to us than 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 worth given to Jesus. Imagine on that day, they, they were making an unfair exchange, and, and they were changing things out for, for different things, and, and they just said, look, here's the reality. We're, we're going to go ahead and take what should be Jesus, and, and, and we're going to keep it for ourselves. I, I just can't help but think that Jesus cleansed the temple because it's symbolic of, of cleansing the heart. Because, here's the reality. For you and I, if we're Christ followers, if we know Jesus as our Savior, then we are the temple of God. The Apostle Paul teaches us that. And sometimes I believe that we need to have a cleansing of the heart because we've made our life something it was never intended to be. And as we come into this Holy Week sign or this Holy Week time and we look at the, the, the moments that Jesus had on Sunday, it was a great celebration. On Monday, he cleanses the temple and he says, look, You've made this something other than what it's intended for. Maybe today we ask ourselves this question, am I making life something different than what God intended it to be? We, we spend a little time going throughout the week, and, and, and we, we find out that most likely on Tuesday, Judas had, had set up uh, a, a time to, to meet and he he betrays Jesus the the Bible would would tell us uh, according to a, a timeline that that maybe on on Wednesday there wasn't much that happened if we go through the the traditional uh, thought process of things but but there's a, a, another point in time where Jesus sets down and and he has a gathering with his followers and we know it as the Last Supper and and we take a look at John chapter 13 and in John chapter 13 we take a look at a few verses that are found in that passage. And in John chapter 13, we find Jesus sitting with his disciples. We find that Jesus is sitting with his disciples, and it's the last supper. And in verse number 12, here's what we see. It says, so when he had washed their feet, get that. I got one week to live, I'm not washing your feet. 
I mean, I'm, I'm going and doing something else, right? I, I mean, let, let's just be honest. The, the clock's ticking. Sorry. That's reserved for somebody else in the house. That's the lowest servant. Not, not my job today. Here's what Jesus does. In the last moments of his life, a place and a position that was reserved for a servant of the house. Here's what Jesus does. He washes their feet. It says, so when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and, I, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. He says, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Let's just walk through that real quick. I think if we look at at what Jesus starts off Holy Week with, and, and he says the Lord has need of, uh, of the cult, right? What, what does the cult do? The cult surrenders. Then, 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 then we're going to go ahead and, and see that, that the, the cult allows the master to ride him down through the streets. He, he helped people worship the Savior. Jesus goes to the temple and, and, and he cleanses the temple, and, and people had, had gotten all kinds of things wrong there, but, but Jesus cleanses it, and we learn, man, we need to get those things out of our heart and out of our life. But, but now we also see, just as the cult was willing to serve the plan and purpose of Jesus, here's something that we need to get. We need, as followers of Christ, we need to serve him and others. You see, the Lord has chosen you and I, if, if we're Christ followers, if we know Jesus as our Savior, the Lord needs you to serve him and to serve others. Think about this for just a moment. Jesus didn't, didn't have to wash the feet, but Jesus did wash the feet. Jesus didn't have to get the towel in the basin. He didn't have to empty himself and become a humble servant, but that's exactly what he did in this process. Let me ask you this. Are you willing to take upon the form of a servant and, and, and to become a servant? And I ask you that question because here's, here's the reality. Jesus says this, a life of service, a life of service, being a servant, okay, produces a life of satisfaction. That's what Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 13. He, he says, Here, here's the reality, and I want you to get this. Do you know what I've done for you? And he said, look, the Lord is not, not greater, right? I, I'm, I'm, I'm here, and, and I'm willing to go ahead and, and serve you, right? I, I, can, I can go ahead and, and do that. I, I want to be your servant. You, you can go ahead and be my servant. I'm not too good to serve. You're not too good to serve. But here's, here's where it, it comes in. He says, you know these things, and blessed, satisfied, are you if you do them? You know, a lot of us live a life where satisfaction escapes us. And I think sometimes satisfaction escapes us because we've made this life more about serving ourselves rather than serving Christ. 
rather than carrying the master down the streets and where we live and where we're going, we, we go ahead and we carry our own agenda. We carry our own plan. We carry our, our own purpose. When we think about Jesus taking that colt, we think about him riding into Jerusalem. The streets are lined and the palm branches are waving and they're, they're seeing prophecy fulfilled, but they don't quite understand it. And then on Monday, he cleans out the temple. On Tuesday, Judas is, is busy betraying him, but he's getting ready to wash his feet anyway. We, we see one who is an incredible servant. And he tells us there's a, a life of satisfaction, a life of peace when we begin to serve him rather than to serve ourselves. You see, the Lord needs you. He needs me to be a servant, to serve him and to serve others while we're, we're serving him. But I think that the Lord also needs us to see and listen to him during this week that we call Holy Week. What do I, what do I mean by that? I think the Lord needs us to see him in the garden and to hear his words in the garden. See, in Luke chapter 22, we discover something that, that takes place. In verse number 39, here's what the, the Bible says. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives. As he was accustomed, his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. He was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. He knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And he being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. And he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. If we go into verse number 47 and beyond, we see the soldiers and the others coming to get Jesus. But in the garden, what, what do we see? We see a man who says, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Again, he surrendered to the plan. Again, he's, he's ready to say, look, here's, here's what needs to take place. Father, I'd really like to, to skip this cup, but I want what you want more than I want what I want. So as we follow him and, and see him in the garden, he says, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, your will. Do you, do you see Jesus in the garden saying that? Are you listening to, to him? Are you taking that in? And more importantly than taking that in, are you, are you willing to, to go ahead and say, let that be words that mark my life? You see, we see him and, and listen to him at his trial. When you see him and listen to him at, at the trial that goes on in, in Luke 22 and 23, one of the things that, that happens is, is this. He, he's back and forth. He's at, he, he's at Pilate and Herod and, and just, just constant back and forth. And, and here, here's what happens. Jesus really never says anything. Just a kind of continual moment of silence in, in, in others. And he's doing it all for you. 
But I, I want you to, to think about this for just a, a moment as, as we begin just to, to wrap some things up. Here's where we really need to see him and, and listen to him. And I want you to get this in, in your mind's eye. You see in Luke chapter 23 and verse number 34, here's what he says on the cross. He's beaten, he's bloodied. The Bible says that he's beyond recognition. And here's what he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What an incredible thing to, to, to hear. What an incredible thing to say. Do, do, you, do you see that? Do you, do you hear that today? Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Why was he going through that? And so that, so that they could have forgiveness of sins. And in the midst of their brutality, he's saying, Father, don't, don't hold this against we look a, a little further. One of the thieves says, hey, you, you, you really think you're, you're the Savior? Why don't you come down off the cross and, and save yourself and us? And the other one said, you know what? We, we deserve to be here. He said, don't you know who this guy is? And he looks at Jesus the best he can and he says, would you remember me in your kingdom? And Jesus gives us these words in Luke 23, 43. Today you will be with me in paradise. What an incredible promise. In the midst of pain and suffering, Jesus is still passing out the promises. And, and we need to see and hear and experience that, that promise. But what, what about this? As everybody else has kind of fled away and it's just John and his mother Mary that are, that are there. Jesus looks out and he says, woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. And John would take her and, and care for her. But what about those words in Matthew where Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or, or when he says, I thirst. How about these words? It is finished. Or, or maybe in that moment when he says, not just it is finished, but he, he goes ahead and he gives his life one final aspect that he's in total control and lets us see. He says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I think that's one of my favorite sayings from the cross. Passages about Easter is this. Nobody took Jesus' life. He willingly gave it up. And he did it for you. And he did it for me. He said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. See, when I, I think about the disciples at that moment and seeing Christ on the cross, it was an incredibly trying time. But here's the reality. I think for us, the Lord needs us not just to surrender, but the Lord needs us to see Jesus and what he went through so that we would know, wow, not only can we trust him for salvation, but we can trust him in the most incredibly difficult moments of life. And I've got one last thing that I just want us to share, and, and it's this, that the Lord needs you to wait. He needs you to trust and to tell. You say, John, what do you mean by that? In Mark chapter 16. You see, we've gone from one Sunday to the next. 
On one Sunday, Jesus was the greatest thing that had ever happened. A few days later, his friends had forsaken him. His followers were uncertain. And here's what happened. On Friday, as they could see him on the cross, as his body was removed from the cross, they wept, they waited, and they wondered, what's next? What did they wait for? They waited to go to the tomb. And when they got to the tomb, they expected to find a problem. How many of you love being around people that expect to always find a problem? It says, now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James of Suomi, brought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. They said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? When they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go Tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him, as he said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. You see, the Lord needs you to wait and to trust and to tell. What what do I mean by that? God needs us to wait and trust him sometimes because sometimes we can't see his plan. When when Jesus was on the cross and when he was buried, every one of them said, this is not what we signed up for. Why? Because through the pain of Friday, they couldn't see Sunday. Through the circumstance that they were currently in, they couldn't see beyond the hurt. They couldn't see beyond the struggle. But here's the reality. Sometimes God just needs us to wait and to trust him. You see, God was still in, in control when, when he had Jesus riding in on Palm Sunday and everything looked good and he's still in control when the same one that rode in on Palm Sunday is now in a borrowed tomb on Friday and on Saturday. As they're sitting with closed doors and they're wondering, what are we going to do now? They're waiting and they're wondering. But do you know what God wants us to do? God wants us to wait and trust. And there's a big difference between waiting and wondering and waiting and trusting. You see, while we're waiting and wondering, we're thinking, man, is this all there there is? What's it going to be like? And this isn't what God had said. God wants us to wait and, and to trust. By that I mean, while we're waiting and while we're uncertain, we continue to look to him and continue to trust him and say, look, I know that God is going to do what he said he would do. There's one last thing I, I just want to share is we need to wait, we need to trust, and we need to tell. Did you, did you notice that the disciples that went, those that were there early that morning, Mark closes it out and, and says they told no one because they were afraid. I wonder how many of us won't tell anybody about a resurrection resurrected Savior this week heading into Easter because we're afraid of what they're going to think. 
We're afraid of what, what it's going to cost us, what it's going to look like. We've got an incredible chance right now to just say, okay, Lord, as we head into this week, where on Sunday you, you, you were praised as king, on Tuesday or on Monday you're, you're cleansing the temple, on Tuesday people are betraying you, but you're still serving and teaching in the temple. As you gather for that last supper and you wash the disciples' feet and you go out into the garden and you're praying and all along you're doing what you said you would do, I, I wonder how many of us will be willing to be surrendered and say, God, I want to do what you want me to do. I want to give my life to you. And I want to live it for you today. You see, as we step out into Holy Week, this week I want to encourage you to just ask yourself that simple question. Am I making myself available to the Lord? Am I surrendered to him? Because ultimately, that's what Easter and Holy Week is all about, being surrendered to the plan and purpose of God. That's what Jesus did, and that's what Jesus needs you and I to do. And he needs us to tell other people about that in the process. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? In just a moment, I'm just going to lead us in prayer. And I want to thank you for gathering with us today. I want to thank you for worshiping. I want to thank you for listening. But today, I just want to ask you, Are you certain that you know Christ as your Savior? Are you certain there's been a time where you've surrendered your life to him? You've invited him to forgive you of your sins and to be your Savior. Today, if you've never done that, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right here, right now. To simply say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I know I need a Savior and I'm asking you to be my Savior. The best I know how, I'm trusting you for forgiveness of sins and I'm I'm trusting you, trusting you and what you did on the cross and what you did through being buried and rising again. I'm, I'm trusting you for my salvation. If you've never done that, but you would like to do that right here, right now, wherever you're at, online, in person, take a moment and just say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know that I need a Savior. And I'm asking you to forgive me and I'm asking you to save me from my sins. Jesus, thank you for, for saving me. You see, it's really that easy, but that's not where it needs to stop. That's just the beginning. We've got a God that loves us, that died for us, and, and he wants us to grow in him and to know him more and to know who he really is. Part of that comes through surrender, through you and I saying, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm surrendering my life to salvation, but I'm surrendering my life to become more like you through knowing you, through living and aligning my life with your word. And maybe today you would just say, okay, Lord, this, this surrender aspect, there's some things that I need to do to take my life and put it under your plan and your purpose. And today I want to do that. For you, maybe it's the surrender to, to serve. Maybe it's the surrender to, to begin to share your faith. Maybe it's the, the surrender to witness to, to that neighbor. Could be any number of things, but, but whatever it is, I want to encourage you to say, God, here I am. I'm putting my life 
in your hands. And as I pray, I want to encourage you to make that your prayer today as well. Father, we come to you today. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. And God, I ask you that you would help us on a day that was a celebration, on a day that was filled with anticipation and crowds lined the streets. And as we mark that day nearly 2,000 years later, Lord, I pray that you would make it a celebration in our heart and in our life. But Lord, help us to see that even heading into the most difficult last days of your earthly life before the cross, you were still surrendered. You knew difficulty was coming, but you also knew that the Father's plan took care of all of it. So Father, help us to live a life that celebrates who you are, not just on a Palm Sunday, but on every day. And help us to live a life of surrender. Help us to live a life where we put it in your hands to give you complete and total control. Father, if there's one here today that needs to know you as Savior, I pray that you would help them to make that commitment, that you would help them to seek out one of our, our worship team members, one of the other greeters or, or leaders that's in our congregation today so that we might have the opportunity to share more of who you are with them. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home and allowing us to share hope with you. You know, when we think about the love of Jesus, it's absolutely amazing to stop and realize that he gave his life for you and for me. And all we have to do is simply put our faith and trust in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And that changes us for all eternity. Today, if you've never invited Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to be your personal savior, I want to encourage you to do that right now. It's as simple as admitting that your life is not perfect, admitting that you've sinned, that you've missed God's mark of perfection, and putting your faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is God's love in action, and he demonstrated his love for you and for me by going to the cross, by being buried and by rising again on the third day. And today, if you'd like to invite him to forgive you of your sins and to be your savior, I would encourage you right where you are just to simply say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my savior. And he will do it. If you've made that decision today, please let us know. Please reach out to us. We would love the opportunity to help you learn more about who Jesus is and the incredible plan that he has for your life. If you are a part of the Harmony family, uh, you're a part of our Harmony uh, online community and our online campus, I want to thank you for joining us as well. And I want to invite you to start regathering with us in person if you would like to do so. But please remember, we're keeping everything online as well, so you're not going to miss out uh, on our Sunday morning experience and the other things that we've been doing through the week. We're going to continue to offer those and to continue to meet a need in your life. And if you would like to help us continue uh, to serve our community and, and literally the world, uh, we would encourage you to hop on over to harmonyofavon.com forward slash give, and you'll be able to help us continue the ministry and to make a difference, not only here locally, but globally as well. Thank you for being a part 
of Harmony at Home. And I pray uh, for God's greatest blessings in your life. And I hope that you'll continue to stay connected to us throughout the week. You have a great day.